Before we get to the show, I've got a new way that you can engage with me and the show. We created a LinkedIn company page for the Sports Marketing Huddle where I'm going to be creating exclusive content and where you can interact with me. Just go to LinkedIn and search Sports Marketing Huddle and then click follow on the right side. And true to form, those that do this, I'll engage with. When you take action, I take action. Go do this now. Go to LinkedIn, search Sports Marketing Huddle, and follow. Now time for the show. Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Jim Phillips, regional manager at Ritual. Jim, super excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Rob. We are recording this in WeWork. You and I are friends, and I wanted to have you on the show because I've really enjoyed seeing, one, your journey in working in startups, and two, the journey and growth of Ritual. And I think that this is going to give a very unique perspective into the startup world, personal development, what it's like to be a part of a team that's growing, that's part of a hockey stick growth curve, and the things that come from that, including potentially how much you're working, does burnout happen? And there's a lot of things that don't get seen when you see the growth of a company and you're growing as this company is growing. And I just wanted to give a little inside look into the world of you and ritual as I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a great way to, to start this off and a lot of things that um, I deal with and, and go through on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, first off, who am I? I'm Jim, I'm the regional manager of ritual here in the Midwest. Um, I've been in startups my entire career, started with the Lightbank family. Um, they are a venture capital firm out of Chicago. Uh, most notably, the founders of Groupon came through there. Um, I founded a company called Fuda that uh, they backed in 2011. Uh, it does corporate hospitality and um, commercial space hospitality programs. And then now, as I mentioned, run the Midwest for Ritual. Ritual is a mobile order and pay app for restaurants and coffee shops. Let's go to the beginning of your journey at Ritual to frame this to where you are now. And anytime you join a team, you don't know what is on the horizon. So what first attracted you to Ritual? Yeah, Ritual um, in the early days uh, had an outward um, projected message that wasn't kind of exactly what you know we are or wasn't kind of leading on to you know the, the vastness of the opportunity. Um, in the early days of Ritual, I was very focused on corporate programs and, and partnering with companies to deliver an employee benefit around food. Um, so much like uh, Fuda, my, my previous company, that I eventually reached out to them. And then once I was able to meet with uh, Ray Reddy, uh, the CEO and founder, and as well as Josh Sukman, who was the head of um, expansion, and really got to hear what the overall plan and initiative was um, to digitize local commerce and really take a stab at that huge opportunity, um, I was sold right away. And from that, now you are part of a team that is growing. So what is it like to be inside of an organization that didn't see the hockey stick growth curve immediately? Like, 
take me through what were the things that helped contribute to this? Because how long have you been there? Uh, almost four years, so like three and a half. Okay, so for the first year or two, like take me through what it felt like. Are you seeing this? Is it the accounts are starting to increase? The people are starting to increase. The moment, like, where does the momentum come from? What does it feel like? How is this affecting you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, for Ritual and for the whole team at Ritual, we are all pretty much steadfast in the fact that digital is going to improve the local transaction. When you think about industries across the world, most all of them have been impacted by uh, moving to digital. Um, information, classifieds, most recently transportation, Uber and things like that. Um, the way that you interact with local merchants and find local merchants and, and pay an order from them really has kind of been insulated from that. So knowing you know, what it can do to improve a business around their business intelligence, um, knowing more about their customers and improving prep times and their ability to sell, uh, as well as the customer end where you know, they're able to save a lot of time, they're able to have a more custom experience. We knew it was going to work. We knew that you know, the benefits were there. Now, what was different about our approach is that you know, we weren't the first company to try this. Uh, many companies have tried to digitize local commerce in the past where um, they've launched with thousands of, of merchants and a really nice product. And kind of the insight that, that we had that was different is that when you think about you know, where you order coffee and lunch, it's in a small vicinity, you know, either around where you work or where you live. And what matters more than a really nice product or app um, is the coverage. Like how many merchants do you have on, right? Does this really feel like a neighborhood app? So in that way, um, local is a lot more like social than it is um, like a SaaS platform. You need to have, and what I mean by that is that you need to have the, the coverage of merchants participating for it to be valuable to a user. So if you think about like social, if you and I, are on Instagram and it's only us two, it'll get pretty boring pretty quick, right? right? So you need, you need to have all your friends on it. Um, but where I'm going with this is, you know, it's, it's much harder to expand neighborhood by neighborhood and, and go really dense and, and deep with supply coverage um, than it is to say launch a whole market at, at once, right? Um, so our struggle in the beginning was really on uh, just creating a marketplace in a very finite targeted environment and we didn't have the um, benefit of using kind of more traditional demand strategies like paid acquisition um, we had to kind of uh, innovate and uh, form partnerships and kind of find ways to, to grow our user base and then you know use some of those partnerships to, to grow our supply so definitely was a struggle but we've learned a lot and uh, you know now coming out to a time where we're seeing a lot of success is there an element of this that's chicken or the egg with merchants versus consumers because you need the merchants to get the consumers but then the consumers say well who's on there and the merchants want to know well how many people are on your platform and both of them are like well wait a second we both need people who are using this to make sure that this is worthwhile for both of us and oftentimes in any business it is who's willing to take the first step because everyone loves being second but they don't want to be first absolutely that is the hardest part about nearly any marketplace is synchronizing supply and demand. And 
the chicken and the egg problem is, is something that we deal with um, every time we open a market. But we've gotten good at setting up partnerships on the front end. Um, we partner with a lot of commercial buildings, basically every top-tier property management company or asset management company in the world, and you know, really provide Ritual as a tenant amenity for their, their uh, folks who, who live or who work in the building. And you know, through that, have been able to kind of prime a market for demand and then use that demand to sign up the merchants that are going to be um, valuable to those folks in those buildings. Let's talk about your personal development and growth through all of this. And I asked you uh, off air if you had met the CEO and founder and how much time you'd spent with him and what it was like being around him and the and how just incredible he was as a leader and how smart and intelligent he was and how that makes you raise your level of the game. So take me into your personal development mindset through this. So now you're part of this team with a leader that you're like, holy smokes, Batman, this guy knows his stuff. (laughs) We're starting to get funny. Like this is legit. So your game gets raised, but is there anything intentional that you had to do to make sure all right, I'm not just going to be a cog in this wheel. I'm going to be a driver of the growth for this company. Yeah. So Ray Reddy is the, the CEO and co-founder as well as Rob Kim and Larry Stinson. And um, those three, as well as, you know, a lot of other members on the the early team um, were instrumental just in me, you know, understanding the type of environment and culture that ritual um, had when I joined and it was quite early on when I joined, but, but still they had built something really special and um, For me once I, I met with Ray and Josh to really hear the, the concept um, I could tell right off the bat that no matter What the concept was or, or, or ritual on a whole I want to work with these two guys because I'm gonna learn a lot from them um, so for the last three and a half years um, I'm a completely different person in terms of just professional ability and skills, more so because of the people that, that work at Ritual and the people I get to interact with on a daily basis um, than, than anything else in terms of like business challenges and things like that. So um, I think that when you look for a place to, to work and, and spend your time, it's a big investment. And you want to really be at a place where you believe in the product, but also where you think people are going to challenge you and be able to you know, help you grow. Is it something that you always hear you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with, but now that you're part of this culture and organization, which has a certain standard of excellence, just by definition of being around this, now you're going to raise your level of game because, oh, by the way, you got hired to do something and you're going to deliver on this. And in order to do that, you continually need to get better because they're not hiring people who are plateauing. Yeah. So I actually was having a conversation with, with Ray about this um, recently and just talking about kind of the growth rate of the company as it relates to um, the biological rate of change and you know, <laughs> actual things um, like that with science and whatnot. And if the company's 3Xing year over year, you technically as an employee have to follow along that, that same growth rate um, in order to keep your current job, right? And that's just pretty wild to... To wrap your head around and um, when we were smaller it was much easier to have generalists 
right? I'm the regional manager. Prior to this, I was a general manager of Chicago, um, Ritual's first expansion city. And, you know, it was very hands-on, got to do a lot of things. I, I had a three-person team, right? And now the team here in, in Chicago and in, in the Midwest region is up to, to 17 people. Um, and it's very different. And you, you kind of have to constantly reinvent yourself or, and be intentional about that and, and make sure you're evaluating your performance, you know, every six months, you know, every year um, to make sure that you're doing the right things to both help, help your team as well as help the company. Um, so I think in the future, as, as companies grow and get bigger, they're, the role of a generalist kind of gets uh, pushed out and you have to really focus in on something that you can go deep on and, and be great at. One part of being part of a growth-oriented company and being a high achiever is as you grow, you take on more responsibility. As you take on more responsibility, the traditional nine to five work hours aren't really a thing. And it's, I believe it's something that is extremely difficult of a mold to break out of because for a lot of people, including myself, when I first started working, I was thrown into nine to five culture of jobs that I couldn't stand for 10 years straight. So by definition, I'm like programmed to think nine to five, even though I've worked from home for 13 years in a row. It's just, there's something about it, but as you start to take more ownership and you're more intentional about your success and the success of the company, like you said, you, if the company's three X and you've got a three X. So now all of a sudden nine to five does not cut it by any means now, but then becomes a slight problem or where do those lines stop? Because when you have open work environments where they say, Hey, come in whenever you want and leave whenever you want. And that sounds great and all, but now the burden of responsibility is on you. And if there's no governor there to say, hey, Jim, stop working or take vacation, now all of a sudden you're working on the weekends because you want to. And take me into your mindset because I know for both of us working on, I know for me, I've worked virtually, I've worked every single day for the last six and a half straight years. So I certainly understand what this is like, but Talk about burnout or if this is a thing. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a double-edged sword in that for startups and depending on what stage they're in in, the, in the, the company growth, if it's very early on, as someone who's joining that company, you're taking a risk in that, you know, this company isn't established, you know, may have um, you know, limited amount of funding, may not have product market fit already, you know, so there's lots of variables in joining that company. And that's why startups um, have given out shares of equity um, in terms of options. Now, what that does is align everyone um, as an owner. And what that does for your buy-in and, and your um, interest in, in working uh, more than a nine-to-five is exponential. You know, you really feel um, like you're increasing and adding value to that to that company. Um, so I, I'm with you on the, the long hours, and I do want to work on Saturdays. It's when I don't get any questions fired at me, and I can do my best work. Um, but, you know, you can also get too deep in that because there's not a lack of things to do. Um, and you really have to kind of put down the work because it's not going to stop. 
and I had to, I need to get better at this, to be honest. Um, earlier this year, I feel like I've experienced my first kind of bout of, of burnout and it really affected the way that I was communicating and, and wanted to, to communicate outwardly as a person. Um, when you're under a lot of stress, your values and the things that you want to hold as kind of how you project yourself can be challenged. And so I think that um, that's an early sign. If you're starting to feel like you're kind of lashing out and not taking um, you know, time to be thoughtful, it's a good sign that you might need to, to take a bit of a break. But um, overall, I think companies are starting to realize that this concept of unlimited vacation, for example, actually can have the opposite intended effect. Um, so maybe about five, 10 years ago, it got cool to say there's unlimited vacation. What actually ends up happening is it's, people end up not taking any vacation. And that's not good. You need to take some time off. It helps you with you know, just your well-being. And um, there's two sides of the business. The technical side, which is you know, the actual operations and um, making money and how your product works. And then there's your, your, your people side and being conscious about that. And if your people aren't in a good state of well-being, it doesn't matter how good your technical side is. So you need to make sure you're, you're monitoring both as a, a team as well as you, know, you yourself as an individual. And I think this then comes back to culture, which continually gets hammered home, especially as I continue to mature as a business owner and learn from others the importance of. And you sit there and it's like this invisible thing. You're like, all right, let's work on culture. And working on the weekends can be part of a culture or playing Papa Shot with the crew, which I know we do in WeWork. That can be part of the culture there. But it's... It's something that needs to be very, people need to be aware of the culture that's being created there because even people at the top can lose themselves in the exact same thing because as you move up the ladder, the stress gets bigger, the problems get bigger, the tasks, the amount of things they have to work on is continually increasing. So I think there's an element of awareness that needs to happen from everybody on every level to say, all right, we're all aligned in what we're trying to achieve. But listen, guys, we know what's important is the mental health of everybody who is a part of this because we can't 3X, 10X what we're doing if everybody's not aligned and feeling good about what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes back to just having a recognition of the human human level um, that, that also takes place in a business, um, human level interactions, just making sure that you're checking in with, um, you know, how your team's feeling in addition to what their KPIs were last week. So for example, um, you know, every week we start our, our meetings or our Mondays out with a meeting just to review what we're doing, um, for that week and what the metrics were the prior week. But before that, I just want to kind of level set and be grateful that we're even there. Like, we're choosing to to spend our time working at Ritual and, and, and uh, building the future of digital local commerce, right? It's not um, just a job, right? We're choosing to do it. And, you know, life in itself is a beautiful thing, and we need to be grateful, and we're here. And that's how we start our Mondays. And it's not just right into, okay, what are the metrics? Um, I like to start one-on-ones like that. Like, how are you doing before we talk about any of your initiatives? Um, so I think that's what's what's really important in terms of checking in with culture. Um, 
And then it's just actions from the leaders. Lots of people ops teams, HR teams can kind of have culture as buzz buzzwords, right? Buzzwords aren't effective. You need to actually do. Um, and your team looks up to you and people who are in leadership positions kind of um, have a lot of eyes on them. And so if you really want to impact culture, you need to do it through action, not through words. And I believe with all of this, this is why the personal development of each individual, even you and I talking, that's why our personal development is so important. And it's something six and a half years ago when I started baking sports, I knew there were two things that could never be taken from me. Uh, the amount that I learned. So when I read, you can never take that from me. And then my own personal development. So I'm, I'm just always sitting there saying, listen, if everything else is on fire, I know no matter what, you cannot take from me what I've learned. And because of that, I've become a student of the game of personal development because you say, all right, if there's all these monsters and fires in front of me, what can I do to be calm inside? So that's when you start reading and that's when you start meditating and that's when you start working out. And that's when you do these little micro hacks to help yourself stay centered and aligned and it's an ongoing process. And I just finished reading a book called uh, One Small Step, uh, The Kaizen Way, mm -hmm. about small yet continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. And even just yesterday, I finished a 21-day, one-mile run challenge. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, I want to improve my consistency. Mm -hmm. So every day, I'm going to run one mile for 21 straight days because anybody can do that. It's not hard. It takes less than 10 minutes to do, but guess what? You don't always want to go run a mile when it's raining outside and it's things like this. And you're like, well, that's simple, but I think simple and personal development's a good thing. And then you say, all right, how many different ways can I stack these habits to where all of a sudden now I'm a centered, balanced, good vibes person so that when I can come into work, even if things are a little bit stressful, boom, I know I'm on top of my game and I can handle it. And I'm a good uh, representative for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's two, two things I want to say about that. Um, greatness is not a function of circumstance. Um, escape, the, the book is um, good to great, right? Yeah. Greatness is not a function of, of circumstance. It is a matter of choice. And that's real, and I believe that, and everyone should believe that. If you come across something that you don't know how to do, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, and similarly to when we're talking about uh, kind of reinventing yourself, that has to be intentional. Um, so does the, the mindset and um, the temperament that you bring to every single day of your life. Um, and what I've benefited most from is learning to meditate and what that's enabled me to do is to separate my reactions from kind of outside circumstances right um, the main kind of point around meditation is that you know your thoughts or your, your emotions those are not technically really you they come and they go and so once you can separate like yourself from your thinking then you're not um, subject to them kind of pulling you left to right depending on what they are, right? They lose their power over impacting your emotions and you're more of an observer than you are kind of this kind of monkey mind is what they call it, right? Um, 
so that is inc incredibly important and effective in a high stress environment, like a very fast growing startup. And um, it enables you to see through a lot of noise, stay focused, and make sure that you are, you know, having a temperament outwardly to your team that that keeps them grounded and and keeps them, you know, knowing that uh, there's a level of confidence here at the top that is going to get us to where we need to go. It took me 800 million times of hearing CEOs and leaders in the world say meditation meditation as something that is part of their success yeah and i do it it's very much part of my life it has been for the last six years so if you're listening to this and you've not considered meditation before uh, i'm oftentimes a broken record on this but it's such an important thing especially in this always on digital world where people wake up and check their phone and check their email and check their social media and it's nothing but constant noise in their head and the best way I can describe it is, you know what? Sometimes you just need seven minutes of nothing where you're just, you're just breathing. And you're yeah. like, well, what's the value in that? It's, you feel lighter. There, there's an air, there's an airiness to yourself. And an action step, if you've never meditated before, is check out the app Headspace. It's how I started. It's a nice, simple thing. Might cost you, there's probably a free trial. It's 10 mm -hmm. bucks a month or something. Just commit to taking the first step and say, all right, you know what? Uh, I don't know about this, but there's some people that I respect that say this is a good thing and just try it and have no intention for it. And that's the thing. You say, what do you get out of it? And this is something that as you do it more, you will get more out of it. But really the goal is to have no goal. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about this, but you're right. There is still this kind of Western view on it that is, oh, meditation. He's, what, and you do sound like a broken record sometimes, your friends. I certainly do. Um, but it, it, there's multiple apps that can help you get there. You mentioned Headspace, Calm. There's Waking Up by Sam Harris. So there's lots of things that can kind of ease you into it and, and get you up to speed. Um, the way I think about it, and a good analogy, is that people spend hours a day hours a week uh, working out spending time on their body and don't have any actionable practice or improvement on their mind and that's what meditation is it's a lot of learning to focus and it has numerous benefits on your memory your your state of well-being feeling of well-being um your um blood pressure, things like that, like your actual health that impacts. It's, it's um, really endless, and, and you can look it up and, and take our word for it if you want, but I do think it would impact everybody that uh, would give it a try. All right, let's end on this. The hockey stick growth curve of Ritual, and it's something that you sent me an email that had this picture of, of Ritual's growth, and you see this, like, this steady growth up, and then all of a sudden – we're at the stick part of the hockey stick, not just the blade. And it's like, wowza, this is incredible right now. So what is it like to be in the middle of the hockey stick growth curve? Yeah, so to, to give a bit more context on that, um, what I had sent over was just a, a, a graph of our monthly signups. Um, kind of took out the actual metrics and in terms of the dates and the times and the totals. But what it represented was 
something that is incredibly special that has just happened over the last six months of our business. We have been at it in terms of iterating on growth tactics for the last four years. And we've had some great success. And by all means, we've raised $127 million in venture capital. We're live in 25 markets. Customers love us. Merchants love us. Um, but we hadn't yet you know, really cracked the growth curve. And you know, just f through iteration and, and partnerships and, and working on different campaigns, you know, we, we found a way to really accelerate our growth. And what that's done is completely changed the trajectory of our company. And so I try to impart, impart this on the, all the employees at Ritual as, as well as you know, any sort of stakeholder that we talk to is that the future is going to go even faster than, than what we've done so far. And the, the future is lots of international expansion, um, more expansion in North America, and you know, really bringing the world forward to um, a marketplace of digital transactions on a neighborhood level. Um, you know, think every coffee, every you know, run out to get a sandwich, um, or anything that you're doing on a local level, that's all going to be digitized. And you know, we're just grateful and happy to be making an impact with helping local merchants grow their sales. Jim, I really enjoyed following your growth, both personally as well as with Ritual. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, Twitter, I guess. Uh, my, my handle's Jim T. Phillips. And uh, yeah, if you thought that any of this was interesting uh, or you have any more questions, happy to, um, to entertain those and uh, would love to uh, get you some credits on Ritual. If you haven't tried it yet, wake up, you're asleep. It's amazing. And where can people get those or find out about Ritual? Yeah, just go to the App Store, um, search Ritual, and uh, you can, I should put a Let's let's make bacon sports a promo code. Let's do that. Let's do it. Ten dollars off your first order. Wonderful. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. One, do you meditate? And if so, what got you into it? If not, why not? You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy on Twitter at Rob Cressy or on LinkedIn. That's it. That's all. As always. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sports Marketing Huddle, the number one thing you can do to support us is tell your friends about it. We believe in organic growth, and if you get value out of the free podcast we deliver, then we'd appreciate if you share on social media. If you're looking for some creative sports marketing resources, you can sign up for my newsletter at robcressy.com. I drop bite-sized nuggets of wisdom to get your juices flowing. 